Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it may be. When you hear this, this is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and we are here again for today's edition of Bible Bites, uh, episode 156. Wow, as we are working through the year, almost halfway there, and uh, so we're trying to read through the scriptures this year. I hope that you are also reading through the Word of God and that God is speaking to you as well. We are in the book of Job, <clears throat> and we're close to the middle of it. It's a very long book, um, and in it we see the good, the bad, and the ugly in terms of human condition, um, some uh, depths of grief and anguish, uh, some areas of misjudgment of people and situations. All of that we see very evidently as we read through these different words in these different chapters throughout the book of Job as we peer into his situation and his sufferings in great detail. God takes us very deeply into Job, all of his sorrows, and as well all of his friends and their misjudgments and other things. And so there's a few things that we pull out and we glean. Job is a difficult book in a sense because it's it's Hebraic uh, literature, words of wisdom. It's one of the wisdom books of literature. And so there's many things that are poetic in here that may be harder for us to understand and things of that sort. But I love it that there's nuggets in here that, that we can glean from and some things that we can even apply to our life. And so that's what we're trying to do. So today, my reading is found in Job chapter 14 through 16. And, you know, it's interesting in Job chapter 14 here, the first few verses, as we've seen in past, even mixed in with the good, the bad, and the ugly, there are quite a bit of truth, um, truth elements that are in here as well. So, for instance, the first uh, five verses or so, six verses of chapter 14, there are interspersed in here some great truths that are verified elsewhere. For instance, he talks about um, the human condition in terms of humanity and the brevity of life. These verses really kind of point us to the brevity of life. Even Moses in the Psalms, when he wrote Psalm 90, said this, that we should number our days and gain a heart of wisdom. There's some other elements of Scripture that also verify about life about it being full of, of sorrow in the sense that it's not God's perfect end for us. It's not the perfect plan because we live in a fallen world that's cursed with sin now um, since Genesis chapter 3. And so there are other wise scriptures that speak to us and verify this same thing. Solomon does so in the book of Ecclesiastes, for instance. <clears throat> and then Moses in Psalm 90, as we saw. So the thing that we can read from this and that we need to understand from this is that life is brief. We really are here for only a short period of time, beloved. And so I guess that the main point that hit me this morning as I was reading through these is that whatever we're going to do for the Lord, we need to do it quickly. We need to recognize that every breath is a gift from God and we have only a short time on this earth. In light of eternity, we can't, we can't even put it on a number line. You can't even put it as a dot on the number line when you look at all of eternity, the amount of time that we have in this life. Even if it's 70, 80, 90 years, 100 years, 
What is that compared to everlasting to everlasting? So God gives us three gifts. He gives us time, talents, and treasures. And here, this focuses in on the time element. We only have a certain bit of time to work for the Lord. So I want to encourage you, if you are hearing this as a Christian, recognize that your time is brief. You're, you have an opportunity now to do what God has called you to do. Be about the Father's business. Give the rest of your time to Him because life is truly very short. And so I hope that that encourages you from chapter 14 there. Now we see also in verse 7 through 9 how Job uses <clears throat> in this literature form an analogy, so to speak, and he uses something from nature, but he talks about how even the very scent of nature, of, of water, excuse me, in the natural realm can help to bring um, a dead, dry tree back to life again or give it hope for life again. And yet he goes on then and he turns it again against himself because He's so despairing of life, and he feels that death is drawing near, and in essence, he's suffering so much, he thinks that maybe death would be better than the situation that he's in <clears throat> right now, and he's hoping for that end to his suffering. He can't seem to bring himself to the same type of hope that even a dead tree could have at the scent of water. Then we have one of his friends jumping back into the mixed, midst of it. Remember, we see all the way through this, this discourse between him and these three so-called friends. <coughs> so let's notice in chapter 15 that Eliphaz is going to give more of his two cents into this situation. You know, Job's saying all these various words and then Eliphaz is going to jump back in. Now, Eliphaz still has a very hard misjudgment to Job. He still believes that it's Job's fault, Job's in sin, Job needs to repent, and all that kind of stuff. But notice that even though Eliphaz is misjudging Job and the situation, he still seems to offer words of rebuke and correction that are fitting. For instance, in verse 6 through 8, he says this to Job. He says, your own mouth condemns you, you and not I. Yes, your own lips testify against you. Are you the first man who was born or were you made before the hills? Have you heard the counsel of God and do you limit wisdom to yourself? Then go on down and look in verse 12 and 13. Why does your heart carry you away and what do your eyes wink at? that you turn your spirit against God and let such words go out of your mouth. Now, I don't know the tone of which he said those words. So he may have been condescending and condemning in, him, in and of himself when these were written. But even just reading the words, you can see that there is some adequate and fitting rebuke and correction in those words because of some of the things that Job has been saying and speaking against God in this. He's in such deep grief that he's even complaining and almost accusing the Lord as well, even though he's still, Eliphaz is still judging Job and the situation incorrectly. So then in chapter 16, Job responds to this, and Job is really suffering, not only within himself, but now he has to deal with these, he calls them miserable comforters in verse 2. 
Then I want you to, I want to read to you verse 4 and 5. Because in verse 4 and 5, it says, I could also speak as you do. Now, listen to this. If your soul were in my soul's place, I could heap up words against you and shake my head at you. But I would strengthen you with my mouth and the comfort of my lips would relieve your grief. In other words, Job is trying now to get his friends to see, you ain't helping me. <laughs> You're not helping. You're only making it worse. Instead of being friends and coming and trying to comfort and strengthen me, you know, you're heaping all these words of condemnation and, and so forth on me. And so, you know, Job is trying to uh, bring out another point here to us that is applicable to us. We need to be careful about our words, especially when someone is in a dark and difficult place, especially if they're walking through something, whether it's of their own self-infliction or not. That's not for us to judge. And that's, that's what I get out of this that Job is saying here in, verse, in chapter 16. Now, again, we don't know the tone he used when he said it. He may have been just very defensive and angry and all of that. But there's a good element here that's an element of truth. We are to be those that will help and encourage others. We are not to be their judge. We are to try to use our words wisely. And so I believe this is something we can take to heart, that we be careful with our words, especially when someone is in a time of grief, because we may think we know what's going on, and we may think we've judged the situation correctly, but we may also find ourselves no better off than Eliphaz and these other um, comforters, these other miserable comforters that Job calls them here. So we need to be careful about our words, and I believe that's some uh, truth that we can also take from this scripture. And then lastly, I just want to end with verse 21 of chapter 16. Oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleads for his neighbor. Now, apparently this is in a situation where Job is almost accusing God and complaining against God. So he may not have said this in the right spirit, but there is uh, the element that I want to bring out is that according to 1 Timothy 2.5, which we read a day or so ago, this prayer did get an answer because there was a coming one and he is the man, Christ Jesus, and he is the mediator, the one that can, can take our causes before the Lord and can help us when we, are, uh, when we come to him in sincere repentance and prayer. He can plead our case before the Lord. He can mediate on our behalf, and he does that. Not in a situation like Job was in here where he's accusing God and complaining against God, but, but later when Jesus comes and he dies and pays for our sins, and we come to him according to Romans chapters 1 through 5, it, it, we can receive a justification verdict. We can receive a good verdict from God the judge because there is a mediator between God and man, and he is the man, Christ Jesus. So I hope that, that a few of these little points as we go through here and we take a glimpse into their conversations and the depths of their heart and their grief during this time, that God is helping us to learn some things from this, these passages and from these readings. And I pray that God will bless you today and that you can join me again for future episodes of Bible Bites. Amen.